Welcome to the Good Fight Radio Show, a program dedicated to bringing you vital and uncompromised truths that you won't hear in the mainstream media, discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how these issues relate to family, culture, and the church. The heart of this show is to glorify Jesus Christ and expose the works of darkness as he is commanded in Ephesians 5.11. Now here's your host, Good Fight Ministries' own Chad Davidson. Thank you so much for joining us back on this live edition of, for our third try at this, Joe, of talking (laughs) about a very important topic. That's why we are making sure we get this in and not simply moving it to another date, because we do want to talk specifically about the difference between legalism, conviction, and sin. Because there are just way too many people, Joe, who don't understand, who, who levy this assault on anyone that would come against any practice that is deemed unfaithful, any practice that is a false teaching, whatever it may be. And it kind of seems like these diatribes of you're a Pharisee or a legalist or something are thrown out in such, I would say, a dangerous fashion. And a lot of times it's just anger because of your favorite pet thing or person that you're into. And so we want to talk about that and also talk about a real legalism that does happen that is against Scripture. So to discuss all of that with me is none other than the president and founder of Good Fight Ministries and pastor of Blessed Hope Chapel in Simi Valley, California, Pastor Joe Schimmel. Well, praise the Lord. Yeah, this is such an important topic because oftentimes when somebody yells legalism, oftentimes, indeed, Chad, they are uh, convicted about something that they're doing. Uh, And there is bona fide legalism we have to watch out for. We're going to address that. Uh, during this message, because we have to make sure that we're all not guilty of that, amen? But a lot of times, Chad, when I hear somebody yell, legalism, a lot of times what they're yelling under their breath is license, and, and as far you know, as far as their own lifestyle, and they don't want to be convicted of things that are unscriptural. Uh, but at the same time, we have to make sure that we just don't stereotype uh, uh, people when they use certain slogans and so forth. We have to look at the root of what's actually being addressed in whether something is legalistic or whether it's licentious. Uh, the scriptures warn about legalism, Book of Galatians uh, talks a lot about that, uh, Colossians and so forth. But there's a lot of scriptures, too, that warn about those who will creep in the church unaware, turning the grace of God, as it says in Jude chapter 1, or just the book of Jude. Uh, you'll have it that way because there's no real chapters. But it talks about those. Paul, uh, Jude says, earnestly contend for the faith, which was once for all handed down to the saints. For there are certain people who have crept in unnoticed. Those who long ago were marked out for this, uh, this, condemnation. this condemnation. And it goes on to say that, They've slipped in and they've turned the grace of God into licentiousness and deny our only Lord and Master, Jesus Christ. Uh, so it prophesies and it was happening that day. And Peter says, they'll be among you, it'll grow. So yeah, there's scriptures that warn about legalism. There's scriptures that warn about licentiousness and uh, false teachers that do both. We want to make sure we're in the straight and narrow, that we're only preaching the word of God. And we believe really strongly what Paul said, uh, Chad, is he says in Second Corinthians, not to go beyond what's written. So where the Bible speaks, we speak. Where the Bible doesn't speak, we don't speak. And and we're specifically talking about the law of Christ, not the law of Moses. And we'll get into that later, but we're not under the law of Moses. Many people try to try to put other people in the law of Moses, uh, which is a form of legalism. We'll get into a couple different forms of legalism later. But uh, we're going to talk specifically, Chad's going to be addressing a letter because it's it's really interesting when you read, when Chad goes through this email to us, it's a question uh, that we didn't get time to answer during one of our question and answer times, uh, which is about how to you know navigate a situation at home, which I'll let you elaborate on that. And we're going to kind of get into that because uh, how does that relate to legalism versus license and, and, and parenting, you know? Yeah, we thought, you know, when it comes to this specific 
you know, issue when it comes to legalism, conviction, and sin. The topic came up because we were recently in Costa Rica, and Joe was giving a number of presentations, and it was amazing the amount of people coming to Christ, Joe. And and specifically, at they they sold their souls to rock and roll. People come to Christ, and then when you did the Marvel and you and you went through all the Marvel the evils uh, that are going on there, more people coming to Christ. I mean, some like staunch Catholics who ended up giving that up and that coming beautiful. to Christ that people have been working on for months, and this was. The, what God decided he was going to use that to be the thing that, that really grabbed them. And it was just awesome. And so being able to see the fruit from that, absolutely just a blessing. And so the question started to come to the pastor, David, who's been planted there regarding, well, where's this legalism? I still love watching these things and doing that. And where's this conviction and where is it sin? Yeah. And so that's where it came up. And yeah, Chad, real quickly, I actually had the pastor, I don't know if I shared that with you. Uh, we were fellowshipping afterwards. He asked if we could have a fellowship time with me. And I said, certainly. And actually, we all hung out with them. They had, you know, broke out, uh, I think it was some tamales, you know, Costa Rican tamales were actually really good. And we're fellowshipping. That was our dinner late that night. And as we're chatting, he was like, now, Joe, and he wanted us back. He said, can you come back next year? You know, and, and a lot of the churches that had tuned in, I guess, through uh, the live, it was live streamed. A lot of them said, we want us, you know, at their fellowship. And we're talking about going back and maybe they can put all at one of the churches and all the pastors and churches can meet. But he was saying, now, Joe, how do I apply this? I mean, and he was just wondering, you know, if someone comes in and they're in a Marvel and so forth and wearing a Marvel shirt, what do I do, you know? And I encouraged him, love on him. You know, don't throw them out of your church because people just don't know better. And But love on them and try to educate them as to what, you know, is behind a lot of what is being promoted and and, and just educate them and so forth and, and go from there. So we'll, we'll get deeper into that. But I think the, the question you got was just, dealing more with popular bands and it's quite, quite yeah i think that's the cool thing is is that the segue seems to go really well with a question that we've been wanting to get to for a number of months actually this was one that came through our patreon page uh for for those who were asking q a we typically like to do those periodically where we say hey some of your patreons ask some questions and we'll have uh some of the the answers on our live stream and for those who are on Patreon, by the way, be excited because that second part of Marvel is coming out on August 26th and you guys get it a week in advance from anyone else. So make sure that you are a Patreon if you'd like to get early access to Marvel and DC's War on God. This one is specifically on Doctor Strange and the connections with Aleister Crowley. But this is where that uh, that question came in from. It's a longer question, so bear with me. I think we have it up. Uh, an image for you guys to see as I read it as far as I know I don't know if uh, we're having some technical difficulties today oh it looks like we do have it so I'll read from it but for those who are watching on video you can read it as well it says I have a question regarding my sons they have been learning guitar and have a chord uh, book of worship songs and while they are learning quickly since being at the men's retreat in Massachusetts which by the way that's what uh, Pastor Joe and myself we went out to Massachusetts with Tommy and did a men's retreat last year. And we're going to be doing one again, it looks like, uh, maybe in February. But it needs to be a man of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. So I'm excited about that. And there's a lot of fruit bore from it. That's why we're like, no, we've got to go again, right, Joe? Amen. Uh, So praise God. So if you guys are interested in that, you can send us an email, contact at goodfight.org, and uh, we'll see about letting you know about dates when they come out. But nonetheless, um, so since then, they are being drawn into the music of bands that are satanic. Guns N' Roses, that's what I'm guessing GNR mean, Guns N' Roses, Metallica, Nirvana. I'm having challenges explaining to them why he should stay away from this music other than to explain that this music is demonically inspired and that God's design for music was to worship and that he does not want us to be swayed and manipulated by the lies of the enemy. They have seen they sold their souls to rock and roll. I know they will listen to secular music when I leave the car. And although they profess, (coughs) excuse me, 
They profess to stay away from illicit songs. I am particularly concerned about this desire to learn the demonically inspired music of these bands, no matter how incredible the music is. And I also need some alternatives for him that are just simple, slow, melodic worship songs we hear in church, but still godly. While they are not yet born again, I believe I should be able to put my foot down, but they don't agree and said they will stop playing guitar. Since you, Pastor Joe, Chad, and Tony have all had a satanic musical past, I thought you could speak to this. Thank you for everything you do. Now, that is a a really, really good question, Tabitha, and I think it's an important one for us to dig into because this, Joe, I could say that this lines up with all three things, legalism, conviction, and sin, and we could talk about all three in regards to answering this question. Yeah. And I, I think it is amazing because we're talking about young men wanting to learn guitar and all of these things. And I think that one thing when it comes to Good Fight Ministries that's different from other people that may expose these things is also recognizing the spiritual reality from all of this, learning the music uh, and where its source is. And so I guess just kind of handing that over to you, Joe, that big, long question, it's really important for us to understand a, a better way for a mom who's trying to speak life into her children who are being swayed and being gravitating towards this type of music to learn guitar. Yeah, so it, it, Tabitha states there that she doesn't believe that they, you know, at least when she wrote that, maybe it's different now because that was a question that came some time ago that we didn't get a chance to answer, uh, but that they're not saved. They're not born again yet. So uh, if I have, you know, I've, I've, you've got children now, which are my grandchildren, Chad, I've uh, have a few children and you're married to one of them. That's how come you have some of my grandchildren, <laughs> Holly, Heather, and uh, Josiah. And I brought them up in Christ and we had pretty strong, um, you know, convictions regarding music. And of course, I wouldn't let them play satanic music in the house. I don't think they ever tried to and said, hey, dad, we want to play Metallica and, you know, we want to play Nirvana and so forth. Uh, and all three of them, praise God, they love praise and, and worship music and uh, dominates uh, their lives as far as their music goes. Uh, and probably if you ask all of them, their convictions are very similar to mine or, or, or differed a little bit here or there, but we love each other, and but they all love to, to praise and, and worship the Lord. Uh, but at the same time, Chad, when they were growing up, I taught them the difference between right and wrong. And it's important as Christians uh, that we do teach the, our children a distinction between good and evil uh, because the scriptures are really clear as parents supposed to make sure that uh, we train them up in the way they should go so they won't depart. Or if you train them up in the way that they're already going, they won't depart. That scripture can actually be understood that way as well. Uh, so it's important to make sure that uh, we're, we're making it, we're discerning. Because the scriptures warn, when you read the book of Proverbs, and this is very important because it's a child training manual, and this and it applies to our own lives as well. But you have uh, the son of Solomon there who's naive, starts out naive and, and prone uh, to being foolish. And there's different words used for fool throughout the book of Proverbs. And it can be, you know, anywhere from more of the naive person who just, uh, just stumbles into evil because he doesn't know, doesn't know there's been good and evil up to the, 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 the scoffer who mocks the things of God. Uh, and there's Proverbs about all different gradations of fools where our children are born, uh, with foolishness in them. We, we, we inherit a sinful nature. They come forth from the womb. It says, uh, speaking lies. And the scripture talks about discipline. The scripture talks about uh, training them up in righteousness and so forth. So it's imperative that we as Christians, uh, remember Chad, the, the priests in the Old Testament, they're condemned more than once. It says because they did not 
separate among my people, teach them to discern between, make a separation between that which is holy, holy and, and that which is profane. That, by the way, that profane is a prefix or the or, uh, outside the fane, outside the temple, in the English anyway, that which is holy and that which is uh, profane outside of God's uh, holiness and the purview of what he's called us to. So as Christians, we're supposed to teach them the difference. And even baby Christians, parents that are young in the Lord and just growing, uh, it says in Hebrews chapter 5 that baby Christians don't know the difference. Uh, they can't distinguish between good and evil, and they're still on milk. So as parents and as new believers, it's important that we grow in our knowledge of the Word, that we can make wise decisions so we can protect our children from those decisions. And my desire is, and praise God, it's happening in your life, Chad, with you and Holly, uh, my daughter, you're teaching you know, all both boys and both girls, there's between good and evil. And that's imperative that we do that. So uh, she mentions, Chad, I think it's interesting, different bands like Nirvana. She mentions uh, Metallica. Guns and Roses. So, yeah. Guns and Roses. So one of the things I I did when I was, and it, it proved fruitful because by the grace of God, uh, my, my children are fruitful. Uh, but, you, you know, you, it, it doesn't mean they're not going to go astray. Your kids can go astray, but you keep doing what's right. You keep being that, that example. But... One thing, and I really treasure these scriptures, is is to let them be aware. If you just say, hey, don't do this and do that, don't do this and do that. Uh, there's certain child training books I bought when I was a new Christian, Chad, and some were, one of the books was strong about discipline, but you don't even have to explain yourself. Just show them who the boss is, who the authority is, and so forth. Others, you know, they're more about reasoning with your child. But when I read the book of Proverbs, he's reasoning with his child. Obviously, it's hard to reason with a two-year-old, right? They can just be defiant, but you have to lovingly lay down, uh, you know, the parameters, right, in your home. But as a child gets older and they can understand, uh, I think it's very, very important that we reason with them from Scripture and let them know what we're encouraging them is based on what God's Word says. And I think that's really, really important. So what I'll say along this regard is I taught my children about the, the, the movies, about music that was satanic, about these things. So they became far wiser than the kids in the world that were into these things and knew a lot more about what was going on with them. So they lost the allure. I, I, I took the, the seduction out of it and said, hey, here's, here's the smile of the wolf, but here's the teeth, man. And here's the, here's the carnage that's in that beast belly that they've swallowed. Uh, and I'll give you an example, like for instance, Nirvana, you know, uh, Kurt Cobain, because Nirvana's mentioned Guns N' Roses, Metallica there. Uh, Nirvana, Kurt Cobain was a Satanist, man. Uh, uh, you know, Christopher Sanford, who was his biography, talked about how, uh, you know, he would scrawl graffiti with God is gay, abort Christ, he'd spray on open Bible church, you know. He'd, lyrics he didn't like that he was, was dissatisfied with, he'd burn them in, in front of the church's doors. Uh, he had a doll that was, you know, had uh, Mary, supposedly, you know, the mother of Jesus statue, which really not the mother of Jesus, right? Uh, in that case, statue uh, with its head cut off. Uh, he did all kinds of things where he actually was obsessed with Satanist Anton LaVey, uh, so you point those things out, you say, hey, look, this guy as well, you know, he not only is obsessed with Anton LaVey, but he tried to enlist Anton LaVey to play a musical instrument on his album, Nevermind. Uh, and actually, there was a, uh, a girl named Hirschberg, a, a journalist, uh, Lynn Hirschberg, that he put hexes on and did calculations uh, to put black magic spells on her to destroy her life. In fact, you know what? I have a quote from him about her. Uh, he says, I'm going to kill this woman with my bare hands. I'm going to stab her to death. First, I'm going to take her dog and slit its guts out in front of her and then blank it all over her and stab her to death. Now, it's interesting, Christopher uh, Sanford, in his biography, on uh, Kurt Cobain's biography, he writes, quote, At the very end of his life, Cobain was engaged in elaborate calculations. 
with the aid of a book on magic numbers to determine a formula to hex the blank, the woman. So this is a guy who's involved with demons, who's channeling music, who's uh, glorifying going to the lake of fire and twisting the hymns into glor- going to the lake of fire, and all kinds of wicked things. So you make your children aware, and you say, hey, look, is this really what you want to glorify? Uh, and, and your child might say, well, you know what? I'm not really into those songs, but I like his other songs over here, Teen Spirit or whatever. Well, this guy's this guy who's energized by demonic entities. And, you know, I might quote, quote Chronicles, where God warns that uh, it, it's, a, a, it's a horrible thing to support the wicked. We don't want to support the wicked, you know. And you can look at Metallica. And by the way, Chad, this might be a good time to say that we are updating. Thank the Lord. I know a lot of guys have been pleading for years, and some of you have been praying that we'd update. They sold their souls for rock and roll. And we're literally working on that right now, an updated version we're doing with rock music and pop music and, and hip-hop music. And ha- instead of having a 10-hour version, we're just going to try to have like a, a three-hour version, uh, which tells the whole story. So you can give that out to your friends, and we'll have a lot of new things on it, including stuff about Metallica, since they're mentioned, Chad. Uh, and there's a lot of things that we show about Metallica already. But, you know, you know, just Hatfield, you know, the leader, lead singer of Metallica, you know, he... He sports, sports devil horns and upside down crosses sometimes when he performs, uh, wearing King Diamond's garb. Uh, you know, he sings Jump in the Fire and uh, songs about the devil entice you to follow him and so forth and being an agent of Satan. But a lot of people don't know, uh, that, uh, Dave Mustaine, who used to be, uh, in Metallica as their lead guitarist. And when he was with Metallica, he said that the band Metallica had made a blood pact in uh, in San Francisco where the Church of Satan was and he said the, the Satanic Bible was everywhere when they were hanging out with Exodus and doing their thing as young musicians and up and coming band and he states that they did these blood packs uh, with ex- members of Exodus by the way uh, you know uh, the, the guy that would replace him in Metallica as the guitar player uh, would actually be in ex- was in Exodus at that time and they're doing these, these blood packs and it's interesting uh, and I'll just point this out with regard is Kirk Hammett who is the lead guitarist now for Metallica and has been for years replaced Mustaine who started uh, who started Megadeth and it's interesting that these guys when they're getting together they're doing these blood packs and he states that he literally he says I do believe in the dark side okay this is uh, Dave Mustaine the leader of uh, Megadeth when he was he's talking about way back when he was in Metallica he says I believe uh, in the dark side most people think that black magic and witchcraft and stuff like that isn't real it doesn't work and I know that it works. Of course, we've been exposed not for years. These guys are Satanists, so many of them, right? I was doing a lot of blood packs with people. This was before we found out about AIDS. It was real simple stuff where you cut your thumb and you rub it with someone uh, someone else and you become blood brothers. And he says that Satan was very real. He says Satan masquerades, he admits scripturally, he mas- He says he comes as angel light, but he's very real an entity that was working with the bands at that time. And they even have a song that Exodus put out with regard to these blood packs they made with members of Metallica, Black Magic Rites, the lyrics go, and it's about uh, blood brothers, you know, uh, with the uh, evil Black Knight and begin the slice of the blade, meaning becoming blood brothers, taste the sweet blood of one another, cutting your palm and drinking your blood, the power uh, that few others dare. You feed the need uh, to go out and kill, and metal takes its price, bonded by blood. And this came from an album where it shows these brothers being bonded by blood, these little demons, you know, and this was going back to what Mustaine was saying with what Metallica was doing with Exodus. And this is stuff we don't cover and they sold their souls. We want people to be aware this stuff is gets really deep and there's a lot of people in music that are Satanists. In fact, it's interesting that Hammett, the guitarist that ended up leaving Exodus and becoming the lead guitarist uh, for Metallica, uh, he, has, he plays guitar that 
it's, if you look at it, looks it's it's painted like a Ouija board. Which what are Ouija boards used to contact spirits? We just did a whole thing on a Ouija boards and the Exorcist and and people contacting demonic entities through the Ouija board. And it's interesting, Chad, that uh, he worked with a group who wanted to put out that Ouija board guitar with the Ouija board design. That's and, just incredible to yeah. think about when you're hearing all these things. And and this is why you know we're doing this is because when people are asking these questions and it's a mother asking like my sons are getting into this and they're trying not to get involved with you know uh, you know they want they don't want to do the demonic part but they're going to play this music and maybe you know they're trying to find lyrics that aren't wicked or whatever out of that but the truth is is that when we look at it the spirit behind it i mean when you just think of nirvana starting with them before you even get into metallica the bible is really clear that those who hate god love death and if you look at the trail of blood that happened in Seattle, starting with Andrew Wood and and so forth, going down, and all the people, I mean, people that have been touched, obviously, by Nirvana, and then you move down for the Foo Fighters and, and yeah. all of that. I mean, it is just a trail of blood and despair, and you just had a number of Kurt these Cobain artists. Kurt Cobain shot his blues brains out with a shotgun. 100%. And you just have a number of these artists over and over again that sex, drugs, rock and roll, and suicide have just, just that's been the themes of their songs in their days of habitation. And when we see that, it, it's a really sad thing. It's really heartbreaking. And when we look at that from this perspective of a mom saying, I want to get my kids to not be playing this stuff. I don't want this stuff in their hands. Guys, this is where we're talking about conviction versus sin. You know, if you're sitting there listening to that kind of music, things that are just anti the worldview of scripture, it is really hard to be meditating and sitting at the seat of, you said it over and over, scoffers. They are scoffers. They hate God. And they are sitting at the, they're sitting at the seat of scoffers, meditating on that day and night rather than the word of God. That is not, forget beneficial. That is deteriorating. You become the dried out bark on a on a tree that's blown away when the wind comes by. And yeah. that, that's what happens with all this. Amen, Chad. In fact, the scriptures say those who worship idols uh, become like the idols that they worship. And that's mm. very important to yeah. understand is, is when we worship Christ, the Bible says when we look to Christ and we look in his perfect law of liberty, uh, which is what the Bible calls the New Testament law, the law of Christ. It's called the law of liberty, that legalism, law of liberty. It says when we look to his word and, and to Christ, we're transformed uh, from glory to glory into his image. We become more like Christ. We begin to bear the fruit of the Spirit, love and peace and joy, and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faithfulness and meekness and self-control. The things that are, that represent are the, are, the, are the communicable attributes. God has incommunicable attributes like omnipresence and omniscience and so forth that he doesn't communicate to us because he's God. He's the only one that can be the uncreated creator of all things. But the communicable attributes like love and so forth become ours as we focus on the Lord and the Spirit lives within us and so forth. But non-believers, they don't have that. When they focus on their idols, they become... More like they're those that they're worshipped. I mean, Chad, when we were in the secular world, man, I looked. I mean, oh, you know, I, I worshipped Led Zeppelin, man, and that they they were first in my life. That was my god, and you know, my hair was long. I looked like you know the rock dude. And when I was you know sixteen, seventeen years old, hit eighteen, became a Christian. Everything everything changed. My language changed. My my habits. I, I quit doing drugs and get drunk and and chasing women and so forth, and became a man of God by the grace of God. But it's interesting because. They do, when you look at, and I show the man result, one thing we do when they sold their souls for rock and roll, Chad, that you're very aware of, you just mentioned this, this, this culture of death, man, that you see, like, for instance, in the Seattle music scene. And we show that the average lifespan of a rock star is quite short. 
And uh, the way they die is horrific, choking to death, offering their own vomit, Odin, violent deaths, and so forth. Kurt Cobain. 27 Club. 27 Club. <laughs> yeah. And his mom said, by, it's funny you said that because Kurt Cobain's mom said, oh, he went and wanted to become part of that, that 27 Club, that stupid 27 Club, she called it. And it's interesting, uh, when he died, his suicide note, Kurt Cobain's suicide note, uh, he stated something quite tragic. He, he said that he was miserable, self-destructive, death rocker. He, he said hateful towards all humans in general. He wasn't filled with the love of the spirit. He was hateful of all humans in general. And his music is just dark and depressing and sad. Yeah. And when you just immerse yourself in that, you know, we've shown in our, and they sold their souls for rock and roll, the 10 hour version. I think some of that's in the three hour version too. We show studies on music, secular studies that compare, uh, you know, sticking a, a sponge into a, into a solution of, of water and how the sponge is transformed by that water. It's the same thing that happens to your brain when you immerse it in, in, in music. And if it's garbage in, it's garbage out and your brain is actually being transformed, uh, for that which is, you know, sick and sad. And uh, we quote Pellegrino, a top in from yeah, Richard Pellegrino. Yeah, Richard Pellegrino from, uh, you know, one of the top of Billboard magazine, actually. And he says, take it from me, a guy that studied the brain for, for 20 years, like one song can change someone's brain more than anything else I've found. And that's, it's important that we explain to our kids that God made music to glorify him. And the most, this is kind of interesting when you put these two thoughts together, Chad, I never put these two thoughts together, uh, at the same exact time until right now it just hit me, uh, because I'll sometimes point out one thought, sometimes I'll point out the other thought, but I never brought the two together is I point out sometimes to the congregation when I preach. And if you don't, if you just watch, you know, uh, this program and you watch, you know, 511 News and so forth, and you're not checking out the messages, the preaching on Sunday mornings and, 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 and Wednesdays, uh, you're, you don't know what you're missing, man, because we just preach the word right off the page and a lot of people get transformed through that. But mm-hmm. one of the things I point out when I preach is the main sin that God comes against more than any other sin that's mentioned in the scripture by far and away is idolatry. Mm-hmm. Because as humans, we're created to worship. And if you're not going to worship the one true God, you're going to worship something else. But another thing I point out separately from that, but these two kind of go together, is the most repeated command as to what we're to do in worshiping God by, by far and away, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times, is to sing unto the Lord. And one of the best ways not to fall into idolatry is to worship God Amen. in spirit and truth and to sing to Him. Uh, it says, let the praise of, of uh, the Lord be on your lips continually. You know, So uh, it's very important that we understand, too, that Satan knows this. And I try to tell people, they don't realize, a lot of Christians don't know this, is that Satan was a worship leader in heaven. How do I know this? Well, it says in Isaiah chapter 14 that when he's brought down to hell, it says that his musical instruments will be brought down with him in Isaiah 14. In Ezekiel chapter 28, Chad, it says that he is created with tabrets in him, but he profaned his sanctuaries. Sanctuaries are places of worship. And he's called in Ezekiel 28, the anointed cherubim, or the anointed cherub, cherubim are more than one. Im is the Hebrew, in, uh, or plural in Hebrew, but he's anointed cherub that covereth. He's a cherub. Well, how do I know he's a worship leader? Well, guess who the worship leaders are in heaven? There's different types of angels, but one of the highest ranking angels, and some would say the highest ranking, in Revelation chapter 4 and 5, we see the four cherubim. And the worship begins with them. Then it spreads to the other angels. Then it spreads to the saints and all of humanity eventually. They lead the worship in heaven. Well, he fell, and he wants to be worshipped. In fact, Satan said to Jesus, bow down and worship me, and I'll give you all the kingdoms of this world. And Jesus says, depart from me, Satan. You know, is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and serve him only. So Satan's objective is to get us to worship him. And he'll use music because angels are created higher than us. 
to deceive us. So it's important to give your children a biblical worldview so they can understand spiritual warfare. And then it's really interesting because then when you start showing historically, you can see people, many people that have been incredibly adept at music will admit being used by spirit entities, channeling lyrics, being possessed by spirits, and uh, channeling these because demonic entities will channel people. Jesus cast demons out of all kinds of people, even uh, suspended their use of the vocal cords and used the vocal cords themselves through the people. And before I was a Christian, I opened myself to the demonic world. I know exactly what I'm talking about because I was anti-God. I was anti-Christ. I didn't believe in Satan. And all of a sudden, I started channeling music. I started channeling lyrics and everything else. And then the you know jig was up because I started to realize it became very clear without getting fully into my testimony that Satan's very real. And I was being used by him and these demonic spirits that began to reveal themselves. And I ended up crying, crying out to Christ and coming to Jesus Christ. My whole life changed. I began to look at what the Bible said, what God's Word said about uh, music. And it's the most repeated command in Scripture. And I understand why. In fact, Chrysostom, he was one of the early church fathers, uh, one of the most celebrated early church fathers. He says that God gave us a book of songs, or Psalms, biggest book in the Bible, by the way, to keep us from the music of demons. They understood way back then, you know, almost 2,000 years ago, how Satan was using music. And it's important that we understand that as well. So try to inform your children of, of the spiritual war that we're in and that we're commanded actually to praise God and use music uh, to his glory. Now, and that is so important is using music to his glory. And, and Joe's talking about taking a position from here and looking and turning the other way. And, you know, Joe, there were some you mentioned, there's a couple things you mentioned that I wanted to com- uh, comment on. And one of them is is the understanding of getting involved in a fellowship as well and, and from teachings. And I got saved watching They Sold Their Souls to Rock and Roll. And then I came to Blessed Hope Chapel and then was discipled. And that is such a huge thing is to be discipled in Amen. the Word of God so that we are understanding the Word of God more than anything. And one of the reasons we do these shows the way that we do them is to bring forth not just information and quote Nirvana and show you the wickedness, but is to point you back to what the Word of God says in context and to hopefully get you to a place where you are every day feasting from the Word of God, meditating on it day and night so you can be like the tree, planted against the water that bears fruit in its season because these are the words that can give you and lead you to the wisdom that leads to eternal life. These are the words, and the Bible says quite clearly that we are saved by grace through faith. It's a gift of God and not by works, lest any man should boast. But where? how does that faith come? Faith comes by hearing, hearing the words of Christ. And I know for me, Amen, Joe, bro. the words that it wasn't because I recognized that Lester Crowley was evil that I got saved. It wasn't because I recognized there's a devil even. It was because I recognized the truth of the gospel. And when you said in that video... And they sold their souls to rock and roll. Matthew 12, 30, he who is not with me is against me. Those words of Christ brought me on my knees to give my life to Christ. And then I was discipled. And what would Satan like to do? Look at the parable of the parables, right? The parable of the sower. Look at that parable and see what happens to the person when he has that initial conversion, how Satan wants to dry that thing up right away. That's right. And so we want to make sure that if you're here, Maybe you got saved. Maybe it's this. Who knows? Maybe it's this one right here, this episode. You said, you know what? I recognize this. This is different. I need to give my life to Christ. And you got saved today. Make sure you immediately begin being discipled. And that's a huge part of the Christian walk is being discipled in Christ, getting people in your life that are on your level and those also that can teach you the word of God. And then you begin discipling people. And this is how God's been doing it for 2,000 years through the church. So that is so huge. And also, we, Joe was mentioning specifically worshiping God instead, instead of the idolatry. Joe had mentioned Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin for me was Slipknot, and Slipknot was my favorite band. And I and I memorized every lyric, which is hard to do when they're screaming, but I memorized every lyric to every song they had before I got saved. And when I got saved, I threw that stuff out. I started listening to Christian music, 
Most of it was out of obedience at first. I wasn't into that style. I was so into just death metal and Devil Driver and Killswitch Engage and Hatebreed. And all of a sudden, I'm trying to listen to worship songs. And most of it was because I was coming on Sunday and I'm like, I want to sing to the Lord and I don't know these songs, so I got to go find them. And then I believe the Lord changed my heart in regards to worship. And now, you know, Joe, I, I got a guitar for uh, for Christmas a couple of years ago. And now I get to lead worship. And I love leading worship for the youth group. And I started with my family and a Bible studies. And now that's all I want to do is I want to I play guitar for my kids and sing them worship songs. They all have their own specific worship songs because it was like, man, for how many years of my life, for more years than I've been saved, I was meditating on the seed of scoffers, walking in the ways of the wicked. I was one of them. And it's like, man, I was given this tongue. I was given breath. I was given a mind to speak with. I want to sing to the Lord. Like, I can't believe the things that I did to the Lord before I knew him. I want to sing to him and I want to honor him in a real way. And as you said, what a cure for idolatry. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Amen. Worshiping. And guess what you're doing when you're worshiping the Lord? You are practicing what you're going to be doing in heaven. Forever and ever, man. And and Joe, one of the guys that uh, not only you, but actually Holly, who's now my wife, but back when she was my friend, turned me on to was Keith Green. And yeah. I know Tony back there, and maybe I'm going to expose him to our listeners who love him. But Tony, for some reason, does not like Keith Green. He just gets so convicted of his sin when Keith sings, man. <laughs> it's, you know, we say it's just part of the sanctification process, you know, but... Uh, no, it's just a style. But, but, but Tony, nonetheless... Tony loves his lyrics. But we, but. we sang uh, for youth group. Uh, Ari's when it plays guitar, for, or guitar. I play guitar, but he plays piano for me last night. He is night. very convicting, by the way. And he is very convicting. And we played two Keith Green songs, Tony, so I know you'll just love that uh, for worship last night. And I was just so blessed by them because they come, one of them comes straight from Psalm 51. But these, a clean heart, yeah. if you, I'm trying to also integrate some of the question answering into this because one of the things she asked was for music as well uh, to go alongside. And I know I absolutely loved I love Keith Green. I love listening to him. I love modifying some of it. Some bands um, have even modified some of their uh, some of his music and, and brought it into like a newer style or whatever. I think Cutlass did that. Uh, did a couple Keith Green songs, mashed them together, and it's a really cool song. And uh, I mean, there there are some there are some good artists out there, man. Um, she mentioned slow melodic, some slow melodic well, worship. Well, you know, Tommy listens to um, a guy, and I'm totally. Forgetting his name, well, Tommy. Tommy likes so somebody if, that if, I like a lot named Shane and Shane. Yeah, right, well, Shane Tommy? and Shane's easy. So if Tony can have, <laughs> what's the guy he listens to it's all the guys. time? Uh, the, you can write it to me, Tony, and I'll be able to say it on here because I am trying to suggest it um, uh, on here as well, Tony. So if you can remember what his first and last name is, but I I know that you know, and we as as a ministry, all of us, we love worship. Doug, who's involved, Jonathan Ogden. There it is. It sounds like it's the football player. That's how the football player, yeah. But uh, but no, Jonathan Ogden also has some wonderful, wonderful worship. Uh, I think it's City of Light. Or City of Light uh, is is another band as well. Tony's giving a thumbs up. We finally found a band that Tony likes. Uh, but no, I Tony I mean, loves Shane and Shane too. No, Tony likes Shane and Shane, and we got to meet them and it's influenced and, a lot of his and worship, talk right, with them uh, about the Word of God, which was really fun and 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 share with them. Got some beautiful songs. Oh, they really do. I know Psalm 46 is probably my my favorite. Oh, Tony, people are coming at you in the comments for the Keith Green <laughs> statement. <laughs> uh, um, hey, if you can only come to me Wednesday, you know, mornings or Wednesday nights, <laughs> Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights, don't come to me at all. That's one of his. That might be a little yeah. over the top, but he's basically saying, "Be serious about hey, Jesus." You know, and, and then when he speaks serious, about, man. and you'll know the lyrics better than I, but when he speaks about that, 
Jesus came from heaven to earth and you can't even get out of bed. Jesus you know? rose from the dead. Jesus rose from the dead. There it is. You can't yeah, even get out of bed. That rhymes way better. Keith was a much better songwriter than I. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but nonetheless, there. and I'm reading on here in the comments as well, great hymns. There are some great hymns. Oh, man. There's a guy online, and maybe if you're just learning guitar, he's got some good stuff too. There's a thing, uh, it's called Reawaken Hymns. Um, and I love listening to that and learning some of the old hymns. Uh, Shane and Shane, I mean, I hate to plug Shane and Shane too much, but their hymns yeah. are just the way they've redone so many of the hymns, same melodies for the most part, are just so, so touching, so beautiful. Yeah. I want to encourage you along those lines, Chad. You mentioned yeah. uh, not, you know, forsaking the things of the world and, and being in fellowship. And I was in 2 Timothy 3 and 4, which I was looking at a couple of the verses that we might share later. Mm-hmm. But I flipped back to 2 Timothy 2 because it made me think of this passage when you said that. Was It says, now flee from youthful lust and pursue righteousness. So you're trying to get your, your children to flee from these youthful desires that just feed the self and the flesh. It says, uh, flee from youthful lust and pursue. So you don't just flee these things. So it's not enough to say, hey, don't do this. It's, it's, and I praise God because this was in the letter that, and, and Tabitha has some really good insight. She wants to give an alternative. Like the Bible doesn't just say, don't be drunk with wine. If it said just that, praise God, we want to not be drunk with wine. But it says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, you see. And when the Lord says, you know, to shun vain babblings, you know, and, and that, that the speech that encourages more ungodliness, it says, but the scriptures say, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, and whatever you do, do it to the glory of God, you know? So uh, he gives us an alternative. And when he says, flee youthful desires or lust, he's, then he goes on to say, and pursue, this is for youth, and applies to all of us, though, ultimately, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. But it doesn't just say that, it says, with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So you want to encourage your young people to uh, be in fellowship with those other young people and older people, the, fellow, the, the church itself, who's crying out to the Lord with a pure heart. And, and that's hard to find sometimes to find good fellowship. But I try to find like-minded brothers and sisters that are examples to uh, your children and, and your loved ones and, and pursue the Lord with them. Here's a scripture I mentioned earlier, Second Chronicles 19.2. He declareth the wrath and the judgment of God is over all such who support the wicked. Uh, now, it's interesting. God's wrath is against those who support the wicked. I don't want to throw my money at those who are blatantly worshiping the devil, you know? Uh, I mean, that's, that makes it pretty obvious. You know, if there's bands using upside-down crosses and, and glorifying Satan in their lyrics and, and, I'm, and I'm giving them, uh, you know, money for their music and so forth, and then I'm actually allowing that music to poison me, there's a problem there. And as a parent, it's important to understand as far as what role you play, you're the guardian of your home, you know? And it's important that you understand that in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, it says that the believing parent, because you mentioned, Tabitha, that uh, your, your children at that point, I guess they're young teens, uh, that that they're not believers, they're not born again, at least at the point when you wrote that, is it says that the believing parent sanctifies her unbelieving children. So what does that mean? It means that you have an effect because of being your husband and yourself, leaders of the home, that you have the an effect on the unbelieving children because Sanctified means to be set apart to God from that which is evil. So that means that you, as and it talks about uh, the husband, but also it says in Titus chapter 2 uh, that the, the, the wives are to guide the house, right? So you play a, a huge role there. So uh, that house, your home, it, uh, you want it to be a sanctuary of worship, you know? And uh, just like God's temple in the Old Testament, you weren't allowed to bring evil things in the temple. Well, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. It says we're not to be uh, having fellowship with that which is Believers are to have fellowship with unbelievers. What fellowship does Christ have with Belial? Uh, come out from among them, be separate. Say, Lord, I'll receive you. You shall be my sons and my daughters. And, and it goes on to talk about uh, 
you know, in the fear of God, Second Corinthians chapter six is what I'm quoting from. But Second Corinthians chapter seven, verse one, with the chapter break is it goes on to say that uh, you know that with the fear of God, you know, we're supposed to cleanse ourselves of all sins of both uh, flesh and spirit. And by the way, in Revelation chapter twenty one, verse twenty seven, I believe, it talks about God's new Jerusalem. You know, and there's no temple in it because it's actually the Holy of Holies. We're studying that on Sundays right now. It's actually one huge diametric. I mean, it's a perfect, huge square. The way that shows dimensions and what God's communicating there is the Holy of Holies, which is where God's presence was in the, is in the temple, is now. That's all. That's new heaven, new earth. That's I'm sorry. That's that's New Jerusalem. You're actually in the very presence of the fullness of God and the Holy of Holies. And it says, uh, "Nothing unholy." In verse 27, will enter into the temple. Not liars and idolaters and murders mm-hmm. and so forth. And you being the temple of the Holy Spirit, us being the temple of the Holy Spirit, we don't want to let that which is evil into God's. We are God's temple. It says you're therefore the temple of God. Therefore glorify God in your body, right? And we're supposed to be separate from that which is evil. So I'm not supposed to let that which is unholy into God's temple and mix that which is the Bible talks about. You can't, you know, speak that which is holy and profane. You can't, you know, a, a, a fountain doesn't give forth both bitter and, and, and sweet water, you know that we're supposed to be consistent. So I don't want anything unholy in my life. I don't want anything unholy in my home. So my kids, if they came home, Chad, I'm just being honest. And Holly said, hey, Dad, you know, I'm really into Nirvana and Guns N' Roses and Metallica. I say, hey, I love you, honey, but... I'd say, what happened to my wife? <laughs> yeah, at this point, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about, yeah, of course. When but when, saying, she yeah. a, when she was a, a, my child at home, I'd say, definitely you cannot bring that in, you know? And you are not allowed to be playing that music mm. in the home. Amen. But of course, I'd be praying for her. I mean, one of the main things I'd be doing, which I've done and I will continue to do for my kids, is pray, pray, and pray, man. Never cease praying for the body of Christ, but especially your own family and your kids. So I'd pray, 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 and warn them, love them, give them alternatives. You know what we did? We served the Lord together. I took them street witnessing. Oh, I still go witnessing together, right? Yeah. Just went to Amen. Costa Rica with Holly and my son, Josiah. That's you where know? I fell in love with Holly, was out street witnessing with you. So Praise God. My other daughter, <laughs> Heather, as well. We've gone, done a lot of witnessing together. Yep. And that gave them Josiah a taste too. for serving God. <laughs> yeah. So they saw the, hey, there's serving God and living for him blows away. You start bringing your children on mission trips. Man, it just transformed their lives. I just ran into Kathleen, bro. I'll just say sure, one okay, last cool, thing on that. Yeah. Kathleen was just, remember Kathleen? You know, yeah, she went course. up there and she was in tears when she left. It was her first mission trip and she was so excited. She left in tears. We, we've been back for, I don't know, it's been two or three weeks, two and a half, three and a half weeks or so from Costa Rica. We just ran into her, uh, to Kathleen. My wife and I were, my wife, and by the way, some of you had heard and we're praying, want to thank you for your prayers, uh, because she was diagnosed, she had breast cancer like 14 years ago. Uh, praise God. Uh, God gave us victory through that. But since that time, her sister died of breast cancer. Her mom died of breast cancer just a couple years ago. And then her numbers were elevated for cancer again when she just had, you know, had a study in her body. And we went in and she had a colonoscopy because that's where it was elevated. <laughs> Clean bill of health, no cancer there. Thank the Lord Jesus Christ. But as we were there, I said, hey, where do you want to go afterwards? Because I didn't get a clean bill of health. I got a messed up shoulder here, man. But because uh, I went to the doctors while she was there, I went to my own because I had an MRI done and he said, man, you got bone spurs, you got arthritis there, you got a broken cartilage that's floating and you got a torn rotator cuff. So by the grace of God, right? And I said, I go to my lead wife, I go, baby, I got this, this, and this going on. This is after she got the clean bullet health. We're praising God together. We're driving, we're in tears. Praise God, you're good, you know? And I share what's going on with me and she goes, I'm so happy. And she starts crying, I go, you're happy? I was kidding because I knew what she was talking about. She was back to her bill of health. This was nothing compared to what she was going through. But Bro, we just, we, we focus on serving Jesus and her eyes, my wife, and this is, this is, you know, what I want you guys to, to catch on to. 
when we were in Costa Rica serving the Lord, doing evangelism, the first two or three days, because she thought, wow, you know, if I got cancer, I might go in and be see the Lord. And we're and she loves mission trips, but she was down the first couple of days a little bit. She didn't show it much, but I talking to her, I knew she was going through some things. And then we, we did that first presentation, Chad, and people came to Christ. Mm-hmm. She Afterwards, she goes, Joe, praise God, I have so much joy. The Lord used us to see people get saved and what we're out here for, to get my eyes off myself, even though she thought at the time she's perhaps dying of cancer, and back on to just serving Him. And what it, man, she was just elated. Well, we saw Kathleen after we got the clean bill of health from her, and because we grabbed some Thai food because we're in Tio, the neighboring town, and Josiah lives out there, and we called him up. We know he's out there. and said, hey, we've got the day off. He want to grab some Thai food. Kathleen came in. She got teary. She goes, I saw both of your Jeeps, you know? And she goes, but where are, are they in there? And we ran into her. And she had a great time in Costa Rica. And she's like, it's so hard being back here in, you know, in, in California because being on a mission trip just so transformed her life. And she just can't wait to go on a mission trip. She's a young gal. She came out of the world, came to Christ and serving Christ. What I'm trying to say to you guys, and Chad knows it's true. Man, you start serving Christ with your kids, start doing things for his glory. Uh, their lives very likely will be radically transformed as God uses them. Because the Holy Spirit's already at work reaching out to the world, sharing the gospel. You need to get in sync with what the Spirit of God is doing. And then when you're used by the Spirit of God and you see what His Word says, you see people's lives transformed before you realize you can have some small part in seeing God change lives. Man, it becomes, you don't, you're not thinking about, oh man, what kind of music do I want to listen? You just want to worship God more and more and serve Him. No, and man, there's so many things I'd love to share in regards to Kathleen and Daniel and, and so forth about them coming to Christ. But I wanted to piggyback it just on what Joe was saying regarding taking your children and everything, because that can be very difficult, you know, to take your children out there. And I'm only telling you from experience, you know, we've gone to Mexico, we've gone to Costa Rica with our children, we've gone to Brazil uh, and shared the gospel out in Brazil with our children. We took our son when he was seven weeks old out to Israel, our firstborn. Uh, so we have definitely taking our kids out to the mission field. And this is one of the great things because so many people are always worried. And, and I'm not telling you how to parent your child. Don't ever think I would ever do that. But unless it's make sure you raise them up to the Lord. But in the sense of this, I'm telling you for us, we have never shied away from telling them the truth of the dangers of the things that are in the world, but also not showing them that it won't be appetizing at points where people will not actually be that they're going to have friends that want to do those evil things and to warn them about that. And I think Marvel has been a great example for this for my son. My my oldest son is nine years old. And as a young boy, he was into Marvel. He would wear Captain America stuff, even to church, you know, when he was really young. You know, we had no idea anything was wrong with any of this stuff. And then when it came down to it, and when Joe, when you first said you were going to put this together, and, and we had that first meeting about Marvel and everything. And this is a perfect time to remind you guys that are just on the live stream. Part two is coming out. It's coming out August 26th, but only for Patreons and people at Blessed Hope Chapel see me that night at 6 p.m. our time. Not Central, not Eastern, but our time, Pacific Standard Time. going to be at 6 p.m. It'll be available if you're on Patreon. You're one of our Patreon supporters on patreon.com slash goodfight. You'll get it right then. And then it'll be available to everyone on on our website on the following Friday. But nonetheless, when it comes to all this, when my son, after after liking all of that stuff, saw this and saw the wickedness of it and it opened his eyes, now uh, he's obviously never smoked. He's nine years old, but he's like an ex-smoker that just can't stand the smell of cigarettes. So one of the things that happens <laughs> is he's a little wrestler. He got second in state, actually, while we were at the men's retreat. Uh, and a lot of got kids in wrestling, they love singlets with, you know, Iron Man and Hulk and Thor and so forth. And he is the first one to, 
oh, I found somebody. I got to give him this this DVD. I got to give him this thing to show him the video. And sometimes I'm like, okay, Eli. And he's, dad, you know how important it is. I got to get it back. Having a wrestling camp. I got to I got to tell them. But it's not just that. He actually wanted to learn how to share the gospel. He wants it to be his turn to share with the person. He wants to have and share the gospel with them. He takes them to the good person test. My son Justice is seven. Same thing. He wants to help share the gospel. And he loves having his turn because that's what we typically do on mission trips is take turns. And seeing them want to share the gospel is more important than any medal they'll ever win in wrestling. It's more important than anything they'll ever do in any sport or anything else in life is the fact that they love sharing the gospel with their friends and with people out on the streets and so forth. And guys, the amount of accountability. I'm saying this as somebody who's a young believer, who was discipled by Joe and sharing the gospel having that accountability that you don't want to be a hypocrite sharing the gospel with someone and then living a complete double life. Amen. You don't want to be that person. And I'm telling you, it's convicting. The Bible says the word of God never never comes back void. Paul said in Philemon verse six, I pray you're active in sharing your faith. You have a full understanding of every good thing you have Amen. in Christ. Sometimes you're preaching the gospel and sometimes I believe the Lord is speaking to you as well when you're sharing that. So the discipleship through evangelism is, I think, a major premise of Good Fight Ministries and Blessed Oak Chapel. Amen. It's it's a huge key, and we just encourage you that because we we love you guys, and uh, we just want to really encourage you too. Because uh, if your children aren't born again yet, you want to you, you don't. It's it's hard to say, hey, you know, uh, when your children don't have a love for the things of God yet. To hey, why don't you love the things of God? You must share with them that they need to be born again. The Bible says, if anyone be in Christ, Second Corinthians five seventeen, he's a new creation. Behold, old things have passed away, and all things become new. So the main thing is, if they're not in Christ, you still have to have godly standards. And what we're talking about is, and you know, you can't, some, some will say, well, this is legalistic or that legalistic with my kids. Well, you know, think about that. Think about that really quickly is, you know, most parents have a bedtime, eight o'clock, nine o'clock, 10 o'clock. Uh, I homeschooled. So we, our bedtime was like midnight <laughs> or whenever the kids went, to, went to bed. And then they just woke up and, and they turned out pretty good by the grace of God because we emphasize bringing them up in the Lord. But the, uh, but are, is it going to say, Hey, if you have a 10 o'clock bedtime. That's, that's legalistic. Or if you make this for your kid, you know, just let them eat, you know, ice cream sandwiches every night for dinner. That's legalistic. Obviously, it's not legalism as a parent to have certain kind of standards in your home uh, because you have to uh, apply just daily living on how to make the, the homework. But we're talking about legalism when it comes to, uh, you know, salvation and so forth. And and how do we discern the difference? And and if you look at the name of the show, you're like, wow, we've talked a lot about how parenting and stuff. But what do we do with the whole legalistic thing is, is what's legalistic and what's what's not legalistic and so forth. And and this is something that's very, very important to address. I know we only have a little bit of time left. So I just want, Chad and I are going to encourage you. There's two forms of legalism that the Bible really emphasizes that you have to watch out for. Some, some think there's just one, but there's actually two uh, that we have to be careful of. And and now I'm not talking about parenting because parents can have different lines as far as, you know, what they do and so forth, as far as bringing up uh, their kids to protect them from evil. And we're certainly uh, read the book of Proverbs. I mean, the, the, Solomon is telling his son over and over again not to run with the wicked and to shed blood and to choose the fear of the Lord and, and not to go after a prostitute or an adulterous woman and that lead you like an ox to, to slaughter, but you'll be led to hell or not to get drunk with the drunkards and, and what can happen there. And he gives them all these scenarios. So it's important to bring your children up in the truth according to God's word. So that's what I emphasize with my children. What does God's word say? And all scripture is profitable. Uh, right for teaching. In fact, that's where I was at. Second Timothy chapter three. And I could quote it, but I'm going to read it to you. All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. And this is in the context, Chad, in verse 15, 
Paul says to Timothy, and from childhood, you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And that was the Old Testament there, right? And then he says all scripture. And he's talking about the Old Testament scriptures primarily there. I do believe Paul has some New Testament in mind because he also quotes from one of the gospels in Timothy, uh, which we won't get into that, but it's pretty awesome. But then what's interesting right after that, he says, he tells Timothy, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate to themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires, and they will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to mythology. Now, this is very important because, Chad, here he's telling them, uh, you know, to, to bring your bring your children up and, and teach and, and reprove with Scripture and uh, to actually... Uh, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Right to Timothy, who's a young pastor there and an evangelist, as I take that hard as a, as a pastor, not so young anymore, but I've always really treasured the pastoral epistles. Uh, that's that's where I live my life as far as the instruction on how to be a pastor and the other books as well. But it's interesting uh, that when you preach the clear truth, Chad, it says there'll be a lot of people in the last days who will turn their ears away from that truth and they'll collectively Heap of themselves, many teachers will tickle their ears, tell them what they want to hear. So in other words, there'll be a lot of teachers out there teaching people what they want to hear that will not be following the truth. And those who follow the truth will be called, you got it, legalistic. Oh, you don't have to, you know, obey God's word and so forth. And now, by the way, when it's training in righteousness, obviously, uh, when you go to the Old Testament, it would be that which comports with the new covenant. Because we're not under the old covenant law, Paul says, we're under the law of Christ, he mentions in Galatians 6 and in 1 Corinthians 9, that we're under the law of Christ. So uh, where does it become legalistic and where does it become license? Uh, first of all, it's ridiculous to call the New Testament legalism because Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And if the Son sets you free, you shall be free indeed. And the Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, 2 Corinthians 3, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Well, guess what? The Bible calls the New Covenant the law of Christ the law, the perfect law of liberty. Uh, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit inspired the words of Holy Scripture. Uh, in 2 Peter chapter 1, I believe verse 21, it says that the Scripture was written by holy men of God who were moved by the Holy Spirit. So that these are the words of the Spirit. The word, when you use God's word against the enemy, it's called the sword of the Spirit. It's inspired by the Spirit of God. So the Spirit of God is the spirit of liberty. So you can't call the new covenant, right? We've been set free from the old covenant law. You can't call the new covenant uh, legalism. So those who don't want to hear by the new covenant, well, the Bible says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, right? And the Bible says very clearly that if you're rejecting God's commands in the New Testament, Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commandments. And the Bible says in 1 John that he says that he's walking in the light, but doesn't obey God's commandments is in darkness until now. So you have to, uh, so you got to be very careful of those who would call the New Testament teaching uh, legalism. Here's what legalism is in a nutshell, because I know we have a little bit of time. And I look at two main things as being legalism. One, it's uh, trying to teach the Old Covenant as though it's part of the New Covenant and telling people they have to keep the Old Covenant law. In fact, Paul warns about this in the book of Galatians because there were certain people saying that you have to keep certain feast days and, and you have to be circumcised, the Judaizers who come to the church. And Paul says in Galatians, Chapter 1, verse 6, Paul writes, I marvel, writes the Galatians, that you are so quickly deserting him who has called you in uh, to the truth, right? 
uh, to the, 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 the gospel to another gospel, which is really not another, but even if we or an angel from heaven preaches another gospel to you than that which we preach to him, let him be accursed. And Paul goes on to say, I'm afraid of you in verse of eight and nine of Galatians chapter four, because you're keeping these days, you're, you know, you're trying to keep the law. And then in chapter five, he says something very important. He says, stand fast in the freedom for with Christ has set you free. And don't be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. And what he's talking about is not going back to the law of Moses. And he says to them, if any of you are circumcised, verses three and four, you're circumcised, you go back to the law, the old covenant law, and try to keep that to be right with God. He says, Christ will profit you nothing. He says, you will be cut off from the Christ. It literally abolished from Christ. And you have fallen from grace. So one form of legalism is try to teach people that they have to keep the old covenant law. But there's another form of legalism that is more subtle in the church, and that's teaching what Jesus said, the doctrines of men for the commandments of God. For instance, Chad mentioned uh, Eli being a wrestler and his other son, uh, Justice, a wrestler too. Some Christians would say, oh, it's wrong to have your kids in sports. It's wrong to have your kids wrestling. That's unbiblical. But they can't give you scripture where it says it's unbiblical. You know, there's some who say you can't go bowling. There's some who say, you know, you, 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 know, you can't do this or you can't do that. And I always say, where does it say this in the new covenant? Where does it say, where does it say this in the scripture? Because Paul said not to go beyond what is written. So we always say, where the Bible speaks, we speak. Where the Bible doesn't speak, we don't speak. Because we don't want to be guilty of teaching the doctrines of men as though the laws of God. Well, what does the Bible say about music? Well, it says to sing the Lord more than it says any other command. And the scripture says that his praises are to be continually on our lips. And the Bible says we're supposed to avoid profane babblings. The Bible tells us whatever we're do, to do, we're to do it to the glory of God. And the scriptures tell us very clearly. In fact, I love these scriptures, Chad. I love it. In the book of Psalms, uh, you have these beautiful verses, but it's interesting. We're told in the book of Psalms that the psalmist, you know, he talks about praising God continually. And I love what he says here. He talks about how in Psalm 119, 54, he says, your decrees are the theme of my song. Your word, God's word, is the theme of my song wherever I lodge. And that's my life, man. Wherever I go, I want to be praising God. I want the themes of his word to be the themes of my music because I become a new creation. And Paul says you become a new creation. He tells us as new creations, the church of Colossae, a bunch of pagans, man, came to Christ. And now he says, he says to put off the old man, put on the new man. And he says, sing a new song to the Lord, man. Sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And one last thing I'll share is Psalm chapter 140, verses 2 and 3. The psalmist talks about how God took him out of the miry clay, put him on the rock, and put a new song in his mouth. And if you're in Christ, man, get a new song in your mouth. If your kids don't know Christ, get them to know Jesus so they'll want to sing a new song to the Lord. And pray to that end. Yeah, amen. Sorry we're trying to hurry up towards the end here. My kids are at football practice right now as we speak, and I'm supposed to pick them up at 7 o'clock. So Let me read this all Psalm 119 right now. No, kidding. <laughs> no, but real quick, guys, I have to get this in, even though we're running a little late. Uh, especially because we had some technical difficulties. But guys, please pray for us. We are leaving Saturday night. A team of us from Good Fight Ministries is heading out to Pennsylvania. We were fasting corporately. If you guys would like to fast as well, we've been praying over and over again regarding this. We have a number of young students that are becoming for our first ever Good Fight Ministries Youth Conference. And I know I'm saying this very last minute. I'm sure everyone else helping to organize Real quick. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's my Annie, bro. Good job. It's the Lord. But, but uh, yes, fasting is important, and we can't right even there, get man. to that. I want to get to that. We got to do a whole there, episode bro. on that. Good. But, but, guys, we would love to, to have you guys praying for us. And if for some reason, maybe you're on the East Coast, or maybe you just happen to have a really cheap plane ticket, you can still shoot them out there, and we'll figure out how to sneak Amen. them into the camp. But nonetheless... <laughs> 
You guys, thank you guys so much for joining us. This has been a, a really fun broadcast, even though it's been tough getting through the technical difficulties, but you guys have- Third show worked. Yes, third show worked. By the grace and, of God. Uh, thank you guys. Uh, God bless you guys. And make sure, let when somebody is, when you're convicted about something, let's not uh, drown that out and let's not let it get to the place where it's actually sin. God bless you guys. Amen. We love you guys. You've been listening to the Good Fight Radio Show brought to you by Good Fight Ministries. If you're blessed by this show and would like to partner with us, please consider visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com slash goodfight. Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 2202, Simi Valley, California, 93062. Or call us toll-free at 1-866-JC-TRUTH. That's 1-866-528-7884. We hope you'll tune in next time on the Good Fight Radio Show.